0: All right. So Reverend Boudreaux was a part-time pastor at the local Cajun Baptist Church, and Pastor Thibodeau—is that I'm pronouncing these right—was uh, the minister of the Covenant Church across the road. They both were standing in by the road, pounding a sign into the ground that read, "Here's what the sign said: The end is near. Turn yourself round now, before it be too late." As a car sped past them, the driver leaned out his window and yelled, You religious really nuts. From the curve, they heard screeching tires and a big splash. Boudreaux turns to Thibodeau and asks, Do you think maybe the sign should just say, Bridge out? <laughs> I, had to, I got that yesterday. I had to send that to Mike Wells. <laughs> All right, well, let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we come to you, uh, grateful for your kindness to us and many mercies that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you, Lord, for new grandbabies and great grandbabies. We thank you, Lord, for, um, we thank you for our, our well-being, our health. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of rain. We do pray that you would bring us the rain we need in the way that we need it. And uh, we ask you, Lord, to be with us now as we wrap up our class on, on the heresy zone, that this will be an enjoyable class and that it will actually show how much we've gained and learned and that we will be those who are stable in a very unstable world in jesus name amen all right so we're at the last one the last class the end is near all right so there's a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man it's a dimension as vast as space and time is infinity it's the middle ground between light and shadow between the pit of man's fears and summit of his knowledge this is the dimension of it. this is the dimension of imagination it's also what we call the heresy zone So the plan has been, and this is what we did. So what is heresy and how to think about it? So you covered all these. The Ebionites, Marcion, Docetism, Gnosticism, Montanism, Arianism, Modalism, Manicheanism, Donatism, Nestorianism, and Pelagianism. That's where we ended last week with Pelagianism. And today, we're going to do a review and application. The idea is just... a just to rehearse a little bit and, and see how much we've actually gained, okay? Um, so maybe this will be the most unpopular class of the whole series. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how you guys do. All right, so we're going to cover aims. We're going to walk through, um, again, go back through high races. We're going to go through the singular question, do some quizzes. I know that made some of you panic right there when I said that. But some quizzes... You get to give some examples maybe of where you've seen some of these things or how this has helped out, some different aspects like that, and our responses. So that's what we're going to do. So what were the aims? Do You think about the class, what were the aims? We're going to over them, over and over and over again. What were some of the aims for the class? Yeah. Okay, Jim. What were we gonna, okay? What he said. Yeah. Got it. All right. Anybody else? What else? Okay. Okay. Focus on Jesus and who He is. Right. Okay. What else? There were some specific aims. We've already started bumping into them. There were some other specific. Anybody remember a passage that actually has run our aims the whole time? One that I repeated from memory to you every class. Ah! Huh? Ah, that's the question that's answered. So we're going to come back to that or question that's being answered. Okay, we'll come back to that in a minute. But there's one passage that happens to be somewhere in the New Testament. Is that helpful? Do what? Yeah, it does narrow it down. We went from 66 books down to 27. So yeah, we're doing great, Okay. Somewhere maybe after Hebrews, did that help out any, that last part? Ah, 2 Peter, yes! Do you remember anything about that one? No, okay. So, 2 Peter, anybody happen to know what chapter? There's only three, so you got three choices. You could only be one third wrong, maybe. Three! Good job, okay. Now, anybody remember the verses? Where the verses were? The beginning, middle, end, <laughs> end... Somewhere? Oh, very good, John. The end. Yes, verse 17 and 18. Anybody remember? So right before verse 17 and 18, Peter has said there are some who who are unstable people who twist Paul's writings and the rest of Scripture to their own destruction. And right after he says that, then what does he say? Anybody remember? You can just paraphrase. You don't have to quote it. Just paraphrase it. I'm looking for willing victims. I mean, uh, participants. Yeah, be careful; you're not taken in. Very good. There you go. That was that was the new message paraphrase. That's good. So, we're to be a, to help us to be able uh, to be able to be aware, to be stable, to grow. And here's the passage. And I hope that you will actually write this down and review this passage. And even if you. Uh, Try, memorize it. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, knowing that there will be false teachers, we're never surprised because the Scripture has made us apprised. Okay? I cannot emphasize that enough. Alright? You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away by the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. I put that, those verses up there. They're not throwaway verses. It's, it was the guiding concept of what we were, we were after. Okay? So we look at the heresies so that, and then we, we uh, see how to respond to them so that we don't become unstable. I find that really interesting how often Scripture says we're to be the stable people in society and the, the, the heretics, or those others like that, are unstable. They breed instability. Okay? So if you remember nothing else about the verse, just remember stable versus unstable. unstable. Does that help? Anybody remember the other aims? Any of the other aims? We've already mentioned uh, kind of the, the contemporary aspects. So seeing the old, and then looking at the contemporary aspect, that's good. Anybody else? Become familiar with the aspects of our early history by understanding several of the major heretical movements and moments for the first five centuries. So it's a little church history, right? It's always good to have a little church history. Reflect on our own day and place in history. It's what Alan and uh, Jim were talking about. And be equipped to explain to others what we believe and why it is important. That's always, listen, this is what we should, every Bible class and every class we have, that should always be one of the aims. Because if it's all about us just gaining knowledge and we walk out and we're smarter than everybody else, we've failed. It's about being able to raise our kids and our grandkids and our neighbors to talk to them and say, here's why we believe and what we believe. Okay? And to be able to communicate that to them. Alright? So any, anything on the aims? Anything else? Did I, hit, did I hit the target? Did I aim at the right stuff? Okay, I see two heads nodding. So three, yes, all right. So three people said yes, good. That's a start. All right, so let's go to the singular question, and Dana's already brought it up. What was the singular question? Yes, Jesus' question. Who do you say that I am? And that was the primary singular question that almost all the heresies were addressing, okay? Who do you say that I am? Okay, but... Uh, so, did you uh, uh, did did grasping this statement and what was going on there, did that help you to fathom uh, what was going on with the heresies? Have you ever looked at heresies through that lens? It's not the best way to ask the question, but I'm asking. Yeah, I, I think most of us don't ever think about what's going on what's actually happening with the heresies we just know oh they're bad they're doing the wrong thing and then we just start working at it but when you realize they're trying to many times they're trying to answer that question then you can in some sense sympathize with the fact they're at least taking jesus serious enough to answer the question and yet even though they go off the 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 camping pad so to speak Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that Jesus plus paradigm is a really good one. That's a good one because that, that is very helpful. So how does this question, the, the thought that they're actually trying, many of them are trying to answer this question, how does that guide you when you're dealing with heretical groups, Moose has already mentioned one aspect. So how would that how does that guide you? When you know that, then how does that guide you? You see some heretical group, they come in, they've got something brand new. Nobody's ever seen this before. I alone have come up with the answer. Anybody heard of this before? Yeah. Right? And so, and then it's just, you know, something, maybe it sounds wonderful, better than than strawberry shortcake with frosting on it or whatever. It just sounds wonderful. What would be the first place or a place you need to go to to get deeper into it? Because this this is foundational. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thinking about the question, how does this guide you when dealing with heretical groups? So I just gave you another hint. Where ought you maybe probably to go to pretty quickly, and that will unveil much to you about that group? Uh, Trinity. And the incarnation, right? Jesus, right? That's the point. Go find out what they're saying about Jesus. So Moose is talking about New Age. You go there and you start saying, what do you say about New Age? I mean, what, do you, what does New Age say about Jesus? Well, you know, he was a great man and he came into his Christ consciousness. Bink, You already know. Everything else is going to go off the rails because that foundational answer is off, is wrong. Does that make sense? That's what I'm, gonna, that's what I'm trying to get across here. This is where you should almost always go I don't mean like first thing necessarily. I mean, you need to build a relationship if they're willing to, if they're just trying to be friends or whatever. But, but whoever it is, you get there and that's where you will likely, most likely find that they're where they've gone off. And that impacts then everything else. Moose mentioned the Trinity. You get this wrong, guess what you get wrong? What else you get wrong? The Trinity instantly. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Okay, Great. So where uh, were there other aspects and areas the classic heresies addressed? There were, there were some of them that actually maybe didn't really start here. They started somewhere else, for example. Though so they did end up there. Huh? Ah, yes. Like the Donatists had this Pelagian view of the church, but still it's dealing with anthropology and, as well as ecclesiology. Yes. Yes. So, answering uh, areas where they saw the church fail, and then when you start pushing, that you realize they start getting this wrong, right? So that you still end up there, okay? But that's probably where they started. So there's some of that, okay? Good. Great. Now it's time for a quiz. I promise I will not use red ink. I promise. Okay. All right. So, uh, this group felt. So you've got to tell me which group it is, okay? This group felt that the church's ethics were lax and believed that their own founding members were the last prophets. Huh? Not Manichinism, but you got the first letter right. Monotists, okay? Or Montanists, right? And so, very good. But you could probably go to the Donatists and see a little bit of this, but except for the prophet's part. So, by the way, if you give me more than one answer on one of these questions, you're probably right. Do you remember the picture of the mighty Mississippi and all the tributaries? Some of these, they begin to muddle together. You start, I mean, so if you're, you're probably not going to give me a wrong answer, okay? Or you're not going to be very far off. So don't, don't, don't sweat it. All right. Who was it that said, or at least taught, or acted as uh, body, bad, spirit, good? The Gnostics, okay? Anybody else? What group was Augustine a part of long before he became a Christian? Huh? Manichaeanism, okay? The Manichaeanists were, or Manichaeanism, however you want to pronounce that, right? They said the same thing because they were very Gnostic, okay? So there's lots of you know Gnosticism, and that shows up in some of these other heresies as well. The body, bad, spirit, good. You're doing great. Jesus was a good and godly man adopted by the Father. Bill O'Reilly. Oh, wait, wrong guy. Sorry. It was a joke. Who Who was that? The Mormonism? Yes. But that wasn't one of the heresies we looked at, but you're right. Absolutely, the Mormons, okay? But what are two of the ancient heresies? You probably don't remember this one because it was like the first one. son of a space alien, brother of lucifer. Okay. ET go home. What a specific heretical group was teaching that Jesus was good, a good and godly man adopted by the father? Ebionites, very good. The church needs to be pure and perfect, and so do the ministers. Huh? I'm sorry? Pelagianism? Sort of, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Because it, it fit in there. But it was a specific group that this was the issue and they, and, uh, they were really hot. I mean, they were, and they were big. They stayed as big as the, main, the, the Orthodox Church or the, the little C Catholic Church for a long time. Huh? Arianism, no. Nestorians, no. We're getting there though. You just keep this up. The process of elimination, we will get there. The Donatists. Not Docetism, that's the appearance language. Donatists, okay? The Donatists, okay? Moving right along. The God of the Old Testament was evil, but the God of the New Testament was wonderful. Anybody? Could have been Arius in some sense. And if you were to say Gnosticism, you're probably pretty close. I mean, that's the same kind of thinking, but there was a specific fella, early 2nd century... Oddly enough, yes, he helped us to to map out and define the canon of the New Testament. Nestorius? No, that was fourth century, second century. Came from northern Came from northern modern day Turkey and went to Rome. Was a big ship. Was a famous. Was a very wealthy shipbuilder. Gave the church a huge donation. And then when the church heard him say this, they said, nope, and here's your money back. I'm uh, always been impressed with that. Here's your money back. We're not going to be beholden to you. Yes! Marcion, the Marcionites. The God of the Old Testament is bad. The God of the New Testament is wonderful. Okay, And, and uh, I told you about an office partner I had one time who came in from a class at a Christian college and was just ecstatic because uh, he, he heard... The professors say that that God of the Old Testament was a bad God, and this God of the New Testament is all love and fluff and everything. And he was like, finally, you know. And he never went to church, by the way. So it was really, it was really odd. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I think so. The one God shows up in three forms or modes. Scott Levy, you could answer this one. Yes, modalism. Scott was telling a joke today and I said, oh, you're a modalist. Oh. Don't worry, it was funny. It was an inside joke. So. Yeah, modalism, right? So remember the three masks? Putting on the three masks, right? At this moment, the, the one God becomes the Father then He puts it down. And at this moment, the, God, the, the one God becomes Jesus and then He puts it down. And this next time, he becomes, the one God becomes the Holy Spirit and then puts it down. And so that's Modalism. Okay, the three forms, the three modes. There is the eternal God who later made the divine Jesus. I was picking on Bill there. Sorry. There's a there's the eternal, the one eternal God who later made the divine Jesus. If the story is true, yes. Exactly right. Arianism. Very good. That's the only reason Moose remembers it, because he... <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. By the way, my favorite Old Testament professor, Ralph Davis, his son, Luke Davis, is now a conservative Anglican priest, and he he's also... Uh, Church history teacher at a Christian school, not a college, but a school. He wrote several little church history books, a couple of church history books, and he asked me to review them, and I loved it. He has that story in there, which I thought was really cool. So, all right. God helps those who help themselves. Yes, Pelagianism. That's exactly right. pelagianism okay and does anybody remember my story last week about um the theologian who was asked who's the patron saint of america remember that yeah pelagius that's what he said right so i love i loved using that that would be an easy giveaway is that in the bible anywhere no that was a trick question that's actually a bonus you got bonus points for that good Alright, so your biblical answer to these. So, you think about the Ebionites, remembering that it's an adoptionism, what are some of your, what's a, just one or two biblical answers to that? Mike Wells already gave one of them away. John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was, uh, was with God, the Word was God. Verse 14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us who beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So there's a good answer to the Ebionites. Anybody else? Any other and their adoptionism? No. Okay. Let's move on. How about Marcion? Remember Marcion? What was his big thing? The God of the Old Testament. Bad God. God of the New Testament. And what does that do to the Hebrew Scriptures? Yeah, it makes the Old Testament evil or worthless and you throw it out and all you've got is just some version of the New Testament. That's where Marcion laid out his list of what should go in the New Testament. It was a hampered, uh, condensed version of everything Paul wrote, excised of the Old Testament and portions of the Gospel of Luke. So what's your answer to Marcion? What's your biblical answer to Marcion? It doesn't have to be deep and you don't have to write a tome. Just give me a... Yeah, so God, you gave me these people to know you, the Father, and to know the Son as eternal life. Okay, yeah, you could do that one. Yes. Ah, very good. Yes. Yes. So Stephen, Stephen, as he's standing in Acts chapter 7, as he's standing before the the Sanhedrin and he's, and he pulls in all this Old Testament story and says this is... This is all about Jesus, right? Even though Marcion wouldn't have accepted probably that passage, but you may not win Marcion, but there are people listening. So you're always wanting, if you can't get Marcion, you want to get the people listening, okay? Anybody else? Yep, 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is God breathed. And what Scripture is Paul talking about in 2 Timothy 3? If if the New Testament is just being written, what Scripture is Paul talking about in 2 Timothy 3? The Old Testament. Okay? Very good. Alright? Luke 24. Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets all testified of me. Right? Which Marcion would have excised out also. But that's okay. Very good. Okay. You're doing great. Docetism. Jesus only appeared to be uh, human. Dokeo is the Greek word appeared. He only appeared to be human. He was fully God, but he only appeared to be human. What would be your answer there? Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes, Thomas's confession, when he saw his side his hands and he said, My Lord, my God. Okay. Lots of places you go. Philippians two. Philippians two is my favorite go to. That here's God, here's Jesus who equal with the Father, right? And yet, instead of flaunting it, he becomes human and so forth. Right? Humbles himself to the point of crucifixion. Very good. How about Gnosticism? Body bad, spirit good. How do you know body is not bad? Ah, the resurrection. What'd you say? Yeah, Jesus had one. The incarnation, which would include the resurrection, right? The body of Jesus came forth from the grave. You heard me say this more, 100,000 times. Body, blood, bones, toenails, and hair. And the reason why I keep saying that, because there's too many people, even in the evangelical churches, that don't know that. Okay? And so you've got to be really, really specific. No, He came forth, as the confession says, the very same body that was slaughtered on the cross, that very same body came forth from the grave. Okay? And you've, we've got to emphasize that because that is our hope. Alright? So very good. So that would actually be a great one. The resurrection, the incarnation. Yes? Oh yeah. Right. The creation, it was very good. Yep. Good. Uh, Montanism. The, the leaders are the last prophets. We're the last prophets in a long line of prophets and... Um, that was their primary focus, that. And, the, and we're going to tighten the rivets down because the church is too loose. I'll be your biblical answer there. Maybe Hebrews 1. God spoke in ages past to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us through His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, etc. and so forth, right? So you, can, you could go there. Okay. Okay, let's move on. I'm starting to see glassy eyes. Here we go. Arianism. It's okay. This is. I love this stuff. But Arianism. Come on, Bill. I know you can throw us something here. Come on. Jesus is the Johnny Come Lately God because the one true eternal God from all eternity created him later. Remember this. That'll work for me. Yeah, that's great. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? And again, you can go back with Mike to John chapter 1, okay? You can go John 3, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You can notice that He's, he's the only one of a kind, and He gave Him, right? There's all kinds of things you can pile on. Huh? Philippians 2. Good job, John. Thank you. Philippians 2. Alright, modalism. The three masks. Should be one passage you should immediately go to. And then you can build from there. Where's the one time? You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together. The baptism of Jesus. Right? This is my, this is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. And here comes the Spirit. Right? Boom. It can't be modalism. Okay? Good. You can start there, and then you can start working through... Um, quite a few other places where uh, the Father and the Son are spoken of as divine in the same passage. Now this was Remember, this was Augustine's um, group he was a part of before he became a Christian. It's very similar to Gnosticism, so your answer could almost be some of the same stuff. Okay? But they tell, a, they tell a world history story um, that everything is bad. I mean, all creation is bad which fits in with Gnosticism. Yes? All right, John 12, where she anoints his feet with um, the oil. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else? You could even take the moment when Jesus, after the resurrection, Jesus is cooking fish and eating fish in Luke 24. Right? Okay. Good. You guys are doing great. Donatism. It's not donationism, it's donatism. The church is not good enough. The church needs to be holy and pure and perfect and so do the ministers and so does everybody really inside of it. The church needs to be pure. Now, like today. What well, maybe your biblical answer to that? You can't you cannot have um, you cannot have uh, a clergy person who has failed be restored in any possible way. There is another hint. What would be a biblical answer to that? Peter! Right? So his betraying Christ and then turning around. And, and at, right now, Anna's actually uh, teaching the kids on John 21 where Jesus, Peter's restored. Okay? So yeah, G, Peter's restoration. You could even go to the other disciples who all left him. And they're restored. Okay? So there's a good, there's a good answer. Nestorianism. Nestorius was probably not a Nestorian, but Nestorianism. Two persons who are two natures. Jesus is two persons, two natures. There's the divine, there's the human, but they're two separate persons' natures. a hard one, isn't it? You can go to Colossians 1, which we're going to use, uh, no wait, we did that last week, we did that as our confession of faith, but here's the the one by whom all things were made, and for whom all things were made, and He becomes, and He cru- is crucified for us, and I mean, you just go back to those passages that talk about the Incarnation and so forth. Okay. Pelagianism. Now, I know there should be some real good answers here, because you're Calvinists, Kipakarnia. come on. What's the biblical answers to Pelagianism? One or two? Ah, there you go. Okay. All right. What else? Grace is just a hand up. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, almost all of Romans, especially the first 11 chapters. If you are self-righteous, by the time you get to the end of chapter 11, you didn't hear a thing Paul said, right? None righteous, no, not one. There's none that is good, none is except for God. Very good. So and there's tons you could pile on there, okay? Like, uh, yes. Um, Pelagianism would deny the original sin, those kinds of things, but usually semi-Pelagianism sort of tips its head toward Augustinianism to some extent. And um, it says, yeah, grace actually makes us new, gives us the ability to do those things and so forth. I mean, that category, yeah. That Wesley, what are we going to do with him? Very good. So we've gone through all the ones we looked at, okay? So any, any last... Uh, questions before we move on. Alright, So, where do you see these today? Where do you see these Ebionites? Uh, do you? See, let me go back here. Hold on. What do you see the adoptionism at Ebionites? That God, that Jesus, just a good man who was so cool that the Father said, "I like you. I want you to be my my, my only begotten Son." Like maybe like Islam that'd be easy he's one of the many prophets they would actually, they would actually say he's not a son but, but um, it'd be something along that lines I was joking a little bit earlier but, um, and I don't know what Bill O'Reilly actually thinks about Jesus because I've never read his book but he used to always say Jesus was the, the, was the great philosopher and it's all he ever talked about Jesus on the radio and it was like dude you're a Roman Catholic you know better than that Right? But that sounds like adoptionism. Okay? Alright. Where else do you see? Marcionites. The Marcionitism. The God of the Old Testament is bad. The God of the New Testament is wonderful. We don't need the Old Testament. We got the New Testament. Come on. Come on. Easy targets here. Dispensationalism leans in that direction. Uh, some of the, the, what do they call it now? The newer dispensationalism. Progressive dispensationalism is a little bit better. Does a lot better job with that. So, but yes, old dispensationalism was that way. Okay, what else? Anybody else? Any other groups that you see presenting that? And don't ever forget folk religion. If you ever just say folk religion, that's fine. that would be a good answer. All right, Docetism. Jesus only appeared to be man. Ah, good job. Okay. Oh, I gave Mike an easy one. Gnosticism. Now, I'm not gonna settle for folk religion here. Gnosticism. Where do you see Gnosticism showing up? Everywhere. Yeah? Star Trek. Yes, yes. You see it. Where do you see it on your what do you see it in your neighborhoods or in your schools? Sort of secular humanism, but you hear it all the time. You just don't—you just not paying attention to it because you're into a culture war, and you're not hearing it. I—I'm giving you all kinds of hints here without telling you the answer. Oh, I love that one. Okay, good. So, what about trans? Um, Trans—the whole idea of the sexual revolution that's going on, body modifications. I'm going to do a sexual reassignment. All of that fits right in with Gnosticism. My body is meaningless. It doesn't matter. Just the inside of me matters. Right? Okay? How about Montanism? Our prophets are the best prophets and they're the last prophets. You need to listen to us and only us, and you need to buy our books and you need to listen to our podcasts. And nobody else's. anybody? Yeah, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever. Yeah, okay. Okay, come on, stick with me. Arianism. Come on, Bill. I'm giving Bill these softball pitches, and I throw slow softball, and he's not swinging. Jehovah's Witnesses, I heard you say that, yeah. Very good. That's an easy one, okay. How about modalism? I gave you a personal example. That person was actually here when she realized that she had been baptized in a modalist baptism in the name of Jesus only and never received Christian baptism according to the command of Jesus, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. She said to me, you remember this, she said, I need to be baptized. And at 70-something years old, she submitted what Jesus said, and we baptized her. But there's an example. Certain Pentecostal groups are modalists, okay? Okay? There's no trinitarianism at all. Okay, Manicheanism. Well, that's Gnosticism. We'll just keep going. Donatism, the pure church. Come on, we're friends here. It's okay. Huh? It's not quite as popular. Yeah, yeah, right. So in in the church world, amongst Christians, where do you hear Donatism? Just look where there's a lot of splits. Look where there's a lot of denominational splits, and that's probably an indication. I'm saying it always is, but that's probably an indication. Anabaptists uh, Anabaptists in the Reformation, they definitely were there, right? And so they were actually more like the Montanists as well because they they were the last prophets and you need to listen to them. But anytime you see that, so uh, when I was in a Baptist college getting my bachelor's degree, one of our professors who was a Baptist minister walked in and he says, oh, let me tell you about the new Baptist doll. I thought this was so funny. You wind it up, you sit on the table and it splits. I almost said, well, you can say a Presbyterian doll, right? We fall into that same trap. It's that thinking that we can have and should have the pure church right this minute. perfect church right this minute and the perfect church is one that agrees with me i want you to know that by the way all right let's move on nestorianism if you ask our lutheran friends they would say that we're nestorians and if we were to if they were to ask us we would tell them that they're um they're something else anyways but but we like each other so it's okay Uh, The Pelagianism. Anybody ever heard of Pelagianism or anything like Pelagianism? Do what? Oh, okay. Oh. It's very, it's just very human, right? So if you said folk religion, I'd have said you're right, right? It's very, very, very stinking human, and it shows up probably across the board of most denominations, okay? Very good. All right, so... So, can, um, can you give some examples how this class has helped you in any way? Please? My ego's fragile. Yes, Cindy. You're humbled? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You end up here. Yeah, right. Anybody else? Other examples where the class maybe has helped you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. 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 Being Bereans the scriptures to see if these things are so okay so can you give some examples where you were able to use what you learned in the class with others maybe grandkids kids maybe you were doing something on facebook and you went wait that sounds like manichinism you know can i talk to you about this and anything cindy Oh, wow. Hmm. Ah, good. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Score! I'll take it. That's awesome. That's a great statement. I mean, what do they say about Jesus? Find out what they really say about Jesus. Okay? Moose. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, Let's see where we are now. Responses. So, with this class of mind, how should this impact our confidence in God and His actions? our understanding of who Jesus is and why it matters, our devotions of worship, our assurance of salvation, our relationships, our perceptions of our humanness, our insight into the ways heresies form and what to look out for in our own hearts. So as you think about the class, how should, it actually, um, how should it impact us in any of those areas? So I think here's just a personal one. So, thinking about relationships, um, it does help me just as I'm going through all this and keeping this in mind. It does help me interacting with people who are wrong. Who are wrong? <laughs> you know, if because there is a sense of genuineness in some, in many of them, right? They really do have a sense of wanting to do something like the right thing, but they're just off. And there's been somebody teaching them that fits what they're where they are or whatever, and so actually being gracious to them because really in all honesty but for the grace of God there would we go you know yes Cindy yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. historic faith has been preserved very good anybody else I, love, I was reading a story of an old reporter when he was raised, uh, when he was going through journalism school back in the day, in the 80s, he was told repeatedly, always verify with two to three witnesses. If your mother tells you she loves her, get evidence. Right? I mean, it was great. It was a great. So it's the same kind of thing. So yeah. All right. Anybody else? Well, hopefully you found, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I have an idea or Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we were doing uh, Greek in seminary, the professor the very first set of classes the the professor for Greek said to us he said, um, "Now look, I know those we're learning Greek and stuff you're going to find things you've never heard before. Don't tell anybody <laughs> because you're wrong. this is the next thing he said because you're wrong because you don't know you don't know language, so you don't understand the nuance of you know why is this an eras, what does that mean, or why is this?" You know, all those things. And, and, he, and he always said, if you have a question, first thing you should do is pull out about three or four good, solid English translations to va- verify what you're actually seeing. And if you're off, you're off. Trust me, you're off. Right, and so it was great for young seminarians because they were we were all full of spit and vinegar, and we were waiting for. I mean, it was funny. It's just like that with Greek and Hebrew. It's like you're you, you're finding new revelations, and then what you find is actually you're just following old heresies because you don't know the language. And so it was really great. So, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Mm, yeah. Yeah, the other accusation is usually um um you're just not enlightened enough or something like that. You just don't, you're just not, maybe not quite, you're not smart enough, but it's something like you obviously lacking something upstairs because you can't see this brilliant point I'm making. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. The only thing that stays, I mean, that's, uh, yes, and that's Jude chapter one. You know is that um, all, um, the faith has been delivered once for all to the saints, right? So the facts are the same. How we work it out is where we usually um, is what's usually a bit different every with every generation. Because how do you process and work this out? Yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. sure sure <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good point absolutely yes Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always, if, if, if the Scripture doesn't challenge your assumptions at places, that's a problem, right? So, folk religion is very much just our regular assumptions about things. What makes sense to me, if it's going to be, it's got to make sense to me. That was my little ditty I gave you last week, right? If it's going to be, it's got to make sense to me. And so, um, and so that's usually a good indication of folk religion. And then, if you're not challenged by Scripture as you're reading um, on a, on occasion, I don't have to be every day. But if you're not challenged and actually call into question some of your ongoing assumptions, then it's very likely that you've you've been informed with folk religion in that regard, in, in that specific subject, for example. You know. So uh, here's I mean, so we I, we had fun with it, uh, but God helps those who help themselves, right? That's folk religion, right? and and sometimes people think that's in scripture. I mean, there's a joke about it, but some people think that's in scripture and then you have to, when you say, "No." They're shocked. "That's not in scripture?" "No. Nowhere in scripture does it say that." "Really? Well, what does it say?" "Oh, I'm glad you showed you asked me. Let me tell you." And then you start and then all of a sudden their whole system begins to to be challenged. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's really funny, yeah, that we fall into that trap. So I always joke and say, you know, every, we want to poo-poo the Roman Catholics for, for uh, relics and stuff. And yet Protestants have relics all the time. I mean, everything from wearing a WWJD bracelet, like that's going to fix me somehow. That's a relic. We do it all the time. So we fall, it's easy for us. Folk religion is our normal human perspective. That's why Paul said, there's none who does good, there's none who seeks after God. We all live in that pool of folk religion, so... Yeah. Good. All right. Well, all done. Mission accomplished. All right. Very good. Okay. All right. So we're going to do a a little one-off the next two Sundays, and then uh, in September, Wes is going to pick back up on forgiveness. We've had several people say... We need to find out more of how forgiveness looks in abusive situations, addictive situations, and so forth. And so Wes is going to come back in September, and he's going to do four parts on forgiveness. So the next two Sundays are actually going to lead us up to that, I think, but they're going to be kind of one-off. So uh, And I'll tell you more about them when I get it figured out. All right, let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much. as uh, as was said here, Lord, we thank you for the historic faith that was once for all delivered to the saints and that and that by your grace, Lord, you have drawn us in and you have brought us in. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be charitable toward others, to be gracious toward them, but to hold the truth. And we pray, as Cindy was just bringing up about folk religion, that we, we would be at times um, welcoming of the challenge of Scripture when it challenges us in our folk religion, Lord. And so that you would help us and, and grow us and, um, and draw us closer to you. Lord, we thank you that the eternal Son of God became man and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you became fully human for us and for our salvation. And so, Lord, now we get ready to enter into the assembly to worship you. We pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we may lift our hearts with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to you, Lord, that we would encourage one another, that we would exhort one another, that we would adore you and worship you um, with all of our being. In Jesus' name, amen.